everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. And everything that happens to us helps us grow, but while, we, while it may be hard for us to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change our perception about the circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Today, everybody, it is a beautiful day in South Florida. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I have a special guest today who has a special story, and it is the first time she's done it in public. So that's what Stand Up and Speak Up is all about. It's all about garnering and getting the courage from within to stand up and speak up and talk about something that might have happened in your life. And that's what we're going to do today <clears throat> with my, excuse me, I just got, <clears throat> I got a frog. The frogs are jumping in Florida. Just got a frog in my throat. Sorry about that. My guest comes to us from Texas. I have a special connection with Texas. I was just yakking at my daughter and hope to go out to see her in Dallas sometime in the next month. But my friends in Dallas and near Dallas, let us please welcome a lovely young woman. Her name is Christina Blazes, and Christina is coming to us from outside of Dallas. And Christina, are you there with us? Christina, hey, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Thank you so much for yep. having me. I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, we're really excited about your story. And But I want you to know, Christina, that coming out with a story about something that's happened in your life puts you in a very vulnerable position. And I want you to know that this is a safe spot. Been there, done that. And the women and men that are listening to this have your, have your back. They're here to support you in whatever way we can. And uh, I'm really, I'm, you know, you and I have not met in person. We met through Women's Prosperity Network through one of our webinars, I think. And I'm really glad that you reached out to me because everybody has this inner strength. And we hide behind the mask and that smile. I'm looking at your picture, and I love the pictures that you sent to me. And I see this beautiful young woman with a beautiful smile. And then I'm reading your story, and I'm thinking, she's one of us. She's one of those women that puts up the smile and says, I'm fine. So I would like to, for you just to introduce yourself as who you are today, who you present yourself to your lovely folks out in Dallas. Who are you today, Christina Blazes? Well, I am Christina Blazes, and I am a proud mom of two and a godmommy to so many, I mean, over 20 children um, throughout the Metroplex and in California, and, and I, I just love to love people 
and I love to, um, you know, cook for them and make homemade meals because not a lot of people get that now. And I do um, own a few businesses. I um, love roofing and remodeling homes and bringing clients' visions to life. That's really a passion of mine to be able to go into a home and hear, you know, a client's story or their vision and make their vision happen within their budget. You know, I, I really love doing that, and I love roofing. Um, roofing for me is like the spiritual covering of a home, you know, just like, you know, a husband covers the wife. I feel the roof covers, you know, that castle and all of the beings that live within it. So um, I, I love it. I love working. I love um, making things happen in business. So that's, that's who I am. Did you grow up in Texas? No, I actually grew up in California in the Valley, born in San Jose, summered in Santa Cruz. Um, so very much a beach and yachty girl. My um, dad owns a yacht brokerage and um, maintenance um, business. So came to Texas because of my ex-husband. Um, so that's how I became a Texan. <laughs> no, no beach in your part of the country. <laughs> no, there sure is a lot of sand, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold out there, too. I know my daughter's out there, and it's nippy. Um, you grew up in a large family, right? Yes, I have 10 brothers and sisters. Where, where do you fall in that group? Um, in, in the mid, like upper mid. Upper mid. So, yes. And then my, my dad, he was popular. So um, I have, you know, there's four of us from my biological mom and 10 of us in total, um, you know, with stepchildren and then, you know, children from my dad's other relationships or marriages. Did you all live together, all the kids? Yes. 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 So kind of walk me through the dynamics of a, of a large family. Are, are you competing with each other? Are you working together? You know, it's, kind of give me an idea of what your family life was like back then. So um, my dad was constantly at work trying to support us. So, um, and so is my stepmom. So sometimes there's a competition, but not really. We, we work together and sometimes there's bickering as, you know, most teenagers, you know, do. They bicker and, but everybody is really there for each other. And there are some that, um, you know, get hung up on, you know, some bitterness and that's okay. But, you know, blood's thicker than water and everybody still loves and would be there for the other should anything happen. Um, but some children, you know, like were favored, right? So I, I feel like I was always favored by my dad. So I didn't really have that issue. But with my biological mom, um, she definitely had a, a favorite and alienated all others. Well, and that's it's interesting. As, as a, I hear a lot, especially through my family, that you know you shouldn't show favorites. You shouldn't show favorites, and sure. it, sometimes it's hard. But it's not. I mean, every child ha is is. You know, I was going to say is unique. Uh, they each yeah. have their own gifts. Um, but living in, you had mentioned to me earlier that it, your mom, your birth mom, um, had it in for you a little bit because of your red hair. It's, it's beautiful. Your hair is lovely. And why, why did she have a problem with that? Well, so 
my mom, you know, and this is, you know, her story, but she comes from, you know, a family of five and my grandparents are fresh off the boat from Ireland and um, they, she was born and raised in San Francisco and um, they were constantly working to try to support the five children. So there was some things that happened and she grew up in the sixties on Hayton Ashbury. So there's that, (laughs) but her brother was a redhead and he did sexually abuse her. So Mm -hmm. she never got over that. And um, she was an alcoholic um, most of my childhood and adulthood. And um, any of those drunken nights or a lot of those drunken nights, you would hear about, all of this stuff that happened in her childhood. And um, sometimes she would call me Randy, and that's not my name. Mm-hmm. Um, but her her brother, you know, abused her. And then she married early, like at 15 years old, to try to get out of, of that, out from under that and out from that household. And her brother um, murdered her husband and then committed suicide and jumped off of the Golden Gate Bridge. So uh, me being born, you know, my father is um, Mexican, like a little bit of German. So he's very, I mean, he had black hair, jet black hair, beautiful caramel skin. And then my, my, my mom is, you know, pale white with dark brunette hair. So all of the children um, really have beautiful tans and dark hair. And then I come out pale white with screaming red hair. (laughs) So I think because she was not healed and still is not healed, um, she, she treated me differently because of that. And, And I learned that later on in life as I reflect and went through therapy and really looked in because I, I, I love my mom. I, I don't speak with her because, you know, she's, demanded that we never contact each other again so gonna listen to the good book and respect my mother and honor her wishes and because it might trigger too much hurt that she's not ready to face mm-hmm. and that's okay you know it's okay did you understand that that separation though when you were little I'm just trying to figure out because you, you wrote to me no, no. and said that she would leave you in a car seat and didn't didn't want to feed you um, who picked up the, who picked up that caregiving if she wasn't giving that to you? Um, well, I, out of all the children, I have a, a relationship with God that is second to none. So as a small child, my spiritual gifts, you know, thrived. Like I would see things or have visions or I can feel things. And I really believe it's because God himself, you know, <laughs> Jesus and a legion of angels to surround me and protect me. Um, at that time, when I was a small child, she was on Coke as well. So, mm. um, and the alcohol. So really no one um, was there, <laughs> but I still survived, if that makes sense. So, you know, my aunt would tell me stories of the things that she would do, and I was always dirty, and, you know, I have an older sister um, on my dad's side that would call me Stinky Stina, and, you know, while she's, like, jabbing and poking fun, really, that that hurts, 
me for not, not to be nourished, not to be tended for, not to be taken care of. Um, so it, it was really God. And then my dad did hire, when my brother was born, um, a nanny, and her name was Nina. And she was from China, and um, she, she took care of us until, you know, my mom, you know, kind of ran her off. Um, so, and he hired her because my brother was drowning and I was four years old. And I remember, um, spank, not, like slamming my hands on the glass door saying, mom, mom, please. And she was just sitting on the edge of the bed. It, like lifeless, but not lifeless. She made eye contact and I was like, Donnie's drowning, Donnie's drowning. Please come, please come. And I'm, you know, only four. And I shouldn't have been out there by the pool with the child, with my yeah. little brother. And um, ultimately she did not come. And I dove in and I pulled him out and kept shaking him until he started breathing again. And then my dad hired um, a nanny and, you know, 24, 23 late years later, he, he did actually drown and die. So, yeah, so it's kind of, kind of crazy how energy works and unresolved issues, you know, they have profound effects on one's life if they go unchecked. So did you, I'm just trying to relive this, you know, if, if I know that I can't because um, I wasn't there with you, but as as a child, you know, did you find refuge with friends or, or you know, neighbor, or did you just stay within that within that home, and just watch? I mean, how, how did you find your way out? Is what I guess what I'm looking at. Well, um, so at six years old, I learned how to cook, and really there wasn't there wasn't a way out because my father didn't allow many people to the home and my mother didn't allow many people to the home and I was riddled with fear to be honest with you and I didn't realize that at the time I had a couple of friends but only only a couple of friends I was never like the most popular and when I grew up I grew up in California and it's very different than the south you know in Texas redheads are just praised and like oh my gosh you're a redhead right you know in California it's more of the beach blonde so I, I got made fun of it, you know, and I was more of a tomboy because I related more to men because my dad always gave me that pure love, unconditional love, even though he couldn't always be there. You know, he had to work a lot. He was always had the energy of just love and compassion and understanding. And he was fun. And he always told me, don't let her kill your carefree spirit. So I really attribute making out, making it out. To, to God and my relationship with him, even though I wasn't raised in the church, um, but because of the circumstances, the energy was there. His energy was there. And at six years old, when I learned how to cook, I just started taking care of my brothers and sisters because she wasn't going to do it. She was, she was working or going to school or doing this and that, and um, she, she couldn't do it all. And I didn't want to get beat <laughs> or verbally abused or um, being told I'm a moron or this and that. So I just did everything that I could to try to earn her love. And as a child, you know, trying to earn 
a parent's love, it should be freely given. That definitely gives you a lot of learned behaviors, and you may accept things later on in life that you shouldn't accept. Um, so, yeah, there's that. When did, when did you actually leave home then? Did you leave as a teenager, or did you stay on through and then kind of walk me through the next few years of your life? So um, at 12 years old, you know, I have an older sister, and she lives in Santa Cruz, so I always vacationed in Santa Cruz, and I was one of the only kids that was fortunate enough to um, go over there and, and be able to spend time with her. And, um, you know, she has her own story, so it wasn't perfect there, but, you know, I felt secure. There was a foundation so at 12 years old, um, we were moving from Turlock, and we were going to move up to Lodi because my dad owns the, the yacht business, and it's on the Delta. And um, she, she beat me, and it was like I decided this was the last time. You know, like I, was, I remember that I was in the bathroom, and for some reason I had a, a knife in my hand. I don't know if I was cooking, and then she came in and started just hitting me and beating me and so I went into the bathroom and I was looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, well, gosh, I can't live through this anymore. And, um, you know, I, I called my sister because I'm, I'm not going to kill myself. Um, but, you know, the, the knife was in my hand, so I don't, I don't know. But I called her and I said, I, I can't deal with this. And she was like, Christina, I'm either going to call CPS or you're going to come move up here. And this was right before the big move. And so I told my dad that, I'm going to move with my older sister, Carrie, because I can't deal with this anymore. It's, you know, you always tell me not to let her kill my free spirit. Daddy, I, I, it's, it's, it hurts too much. And so my dad said, okay, well, we'll just go. And um, he'll just take me. And it's not the first time he's taken me away from the situation. I remember when I was six years old, she or five years old, she, she knocked my front teeth out and um, I was just dripping down blood and he put me up in a motel for a couple of weeks and we, we just stayed in a motel um, so I wouldn't have to, you know, live with that. But he would always go back, always would go back because there's children, you know, and, and that's our mom. Um, so at, at 12, I was like, I can't do it. No, I'm old enough. I can I can make decisions for myself, and he said, "Okay, well, you're you're going to go with me. I'm going to need your help." And I said, "Sure, no problem. I I will. I don't care where we live." And my little brother said it, and he called me mom. He was like, "I'm not. You're not leaving me." And so when my littlest sister, she stayed with my mom, and everybody else went with my dad, and we lived in his office for an, an, a num like maybe half a year and no one knew we had to you know have everything clean and tidy before you know 7 a.m before anybody would come to the yard and um it was great it was it was the best i answered the phones for him i would go to you know school take my brother to school help him with his homework help with the books and um, so that was like the start of like the entrepreneurship um, at 12 years old and we had a little hot plate I would cook inside the office and it was great and then eventually um, he got an RV and then he got 
a mobile home and then got an actual home. But we had to slowly work to that because, you know, he's a single dad, you know, with three kids. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was hard. And his parents um, are deceased, so he, he didn't have anybody that would just be there to, to help, you know, financially and be able to bail him out. And he was new to business. So um, still had to, to keep, you know, that mask on, as, as you would say, because we're running a business and it's a tight-knit community in a marina. But you learned incredible work ethic from your dad. You think oh, that's yeah. where, is that where that all came from? Because you, oh, you, yeah. you went on, to own, you, you own companies, you own businesses, you're an entrepreneur, uh, a woman business owner that's very successful, but obviously didn't come from mom's side of the family, or at least mom. Well, my, right. Well, my mom, I mean, she's brilliant on her, in her own right. She, okay. she won California, Californian of the Year. She is an accountant. She went up against um, the gas companies in California, or the oil companies in California, and got the MTBE additive removed. Um, she's the self-made millionaire. She just is not a nurturer. So Okay. I did learn some things. I learned accounting from her. I've been doing accounting since I was seven years old. I I loathe it. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) But she did teach me a lot about, you know, bookkeeping and about keeping records tidy. So um, it's just the work ethic, though, and keeping a positive attitude is definitely from my daddy. He always is just, I mean, bright and shiny in the morning, just, Good morning, good morning. They're like, it's 4 o'clock, Dad. Yes, I'm alive. Well, yes, I am. Well, that's Someday. cute because I'm, I'm looking at the emails you send me, and, and you're the same way. I can see it. You're like, thank you for hearing my story. Love and light. And, and, and I love that positive attitude because that doesn't always happen. It could have gone the other way. So how have you come to discover um, over the years that, you could move forward. You know, I'm, you, you had your dad with the positive attitude, and that was great. But there's that hurt, Christina, that you know that you, I'm sure, carried for a long time about not being good enough, not being pretty enough, not those not enough things. Which, especially as a child, when you hear that coming from your mom, I think in 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 what I've seen is there's a mother daughter relationship that is very special and. If it's damaged in any way by by words, it, you can carry that for a really long time. And so, how did you get through that? And, and you know, I know that you've been married once, twice. Yeah. How did that affect your relationship with with your your spouse or spouses? So, and I carried that into my first um, marriage, <clears throat> and. Because of that unhealed hurt, um, I guess I, I chose, you know, my children's father, and um, he never, he verbally abused me. He physically abused me. He, you know, is um, bipolar and borderline, you know, schizophrenic, but I, that was normal, I guess, to me because of the abuse that I endured. And, you know, my, my older sister did say, you know, you're insecure, this and that. But when she would tell me this, it was more of an attack. Mm. Um, so I, it was never received. And she comes from a good place, great intentions. And she has, you know, a wealth of wisdom. 
but her delivery um, wasn't in a place that where I could accept it because it was just harsh and an attack on my being. It's like I could never do enough yet again, you know, and, and I know that she didn't mean that or intend that, um, but that's how it came off. So it, it, it just went unaddressed and I accepted years and years and years and years of abuse from my ex-husband and um, because of my faith, I thought, okay, well, you know, I, I, I go to church. I, I want to be, you know, a minister one day at that time. Um, so I, I need to do what's right. I, I need to honor this and, and just get through it. Um, but there, there comes a time where enough is enough and abuse is abuse and toxicity is a toxicity. Um, and the stuff that we endured in that marriage that my children endured, I, I just was so blind to it. Um, you know, he would shoot at the house, like with a BB gun. He'd throw, you know, Christmas, he threw the Christmas tree, uh, several Christmases. You'd never know when something would happen. But again, because of my childhood, I figured, okay, well, this is just normal. I just need to... I need to, when I vacuum, it needs to be straight lines, and I raked, and then after I do the straight lines, I'd rake the, the um, carpet to make mm-hmm. sure it was, you know, perfect. Just always make sure that the meal is done from scratch, make sure it's done, make sure the refrigerators are fully stocked, and, and just smile, just smile, and just smile. Go to church, just don't, don't hinder him, don't, don't bother him don't really live life, life with him. Like with soccer, you know, I want him to go watch our daughter play soccer. She's a tremendous athlete. Don't bother him about that. Don't bother. Don't ask him. Don't ask him to go to church. Really, I accepted a less because of that unhealed hurt. And um, eventually, you know, I have two living children, but I did carry four. And on the last child, um, his name is Blaze, right? I, this is crazy, but I named him Blaze, and this is before my last name was Blazes. Mm-hmm. Energy, you know, and I named him Blaze, and um, my ex-husband, he never wanted children. He said that he just wanted me. Well, I, I want the family. I want, you know, the precious daughter and the precious sons, and, like, I wanted that. Like, I, I love those bonds. I love love. And... Um, Believe it or not, the the moment that he left that house, um, Blaze died in my stomach, and I went in for the ultrasound, the four month ultrasound, and and sure enough, he died on the twenty seventh of October, and that was the day that my ex husband left the house, and um, so and and they found some precancerous cells, so Blaze ended up saving my life. And um, so that was great. And my brother said, hey, you're never going to get her back because a part of me did die. And then I thought, well, gosh, this this is not right. And since he, and I I let him come back, but he stayed in a separate room because he did have a mental disorder. And this is my children's father. And eventually um, he attempted suicide and I I just couldn't do it. So he, he ended up leaving. And once he left, I moved. I, I changed the house, and I moved and said, that's it. You, you left me for the last time. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, but he did leave me with debt, and I allowed the debt because of the abuse. 
because I was scared. You know, there were times that he'd have a gun in my mouth ready to pull a trigger. Why would I stay through that? Why? You know, one of our, the pastors that married us, like he said, if you go back again, and like, then we're going to have some issues. This is enough. You know, and his strength and just saying, it's, it's okay. This is not the way God wants you to live. So I didn't have that guilt. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible doesn't teach us to stay through abuse. But because of the guilt that I felt and unworthiness that I felt as a child, I accepted less. Or thought that I deserved less or this is normal. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm speechless. And I, I, I'm sorry about your baby. I, I, you know, I, I had lost on myself and I understand that feeling. Um, but just it's just loss. It's just it's a loss of a child. It's a loss of that love. Um, I understand, you know, why you wanted to surround yourself with those kids. You you were the caregiver as a child for your yeah. siblings, and and I feel that nourishing that um, that nurturing part of you, which is really lovely. Um, but abuse is not it's not something that we should take. And I know um, that many women and men, you know, have have just taken it and I've talked to many of them and well-intentioned you know extraordinary men and women um, women in particular that I've I've interviewed that you know doctors lawyers um, mothers you name it and I'm like why you guys why would you stay in that situation and what gets you out of it so Christina you know what got you out of that besides just leaving I mean there was a cycle. You had to break that. And it didn't right. happen with the next husband, right? No, it didn't happen in the next relationship. The next relationship actually um, left me with $3 to my name and a quarter of a million dollar loss. And I lost the respect of my best friend, my brother, and my daughter, um, who's another best friend. And um, it actually took, you know, my current husband telling me that, we are not going to get married unless you work on yourself. And, you know, he did scream it once or twice, but he, you could feel his love. You know, you, you knew that he had good intentions. He's like, you're better than this. You have unresolved hurt from your mother. You're insecure. And I was like, well, how can I be insecure? A little bit in my ego. Like, how could I be insecure? I, I've worked 4,000 days straight. I do great in business. You know, people praise me. Like, how, how could that be? And um, because he, you know, gave this, you know, ultimatum, and it's not an ultimatum like, oh, like, hey, um, I don't like you, or, you know, it's I want better for you. It, it came from a good, energetic place. So I started going to counseling. You know, I saw Dr. Cedric Wood and started seeing uh, Miss Nancy Stokes and then Dr. Chandler and then Dr. Tilly. I saw four doctors simultaneously for well over a year, a year and a half. And um, I'd be in the counseling office while doing work, while taking care of these kids, while making sure that every all of my obligations are met. And then at the end of the day, taking, you know, go to counseling on Monday at 6, Tuesday at, at 7 or at 8, then Wednesday, then Thursday, sometimes twice on Friday, um, and really started diving in. And, and I, I didn't understand, and I would have them all communicating with each other. 
And my primary doctor, who has known me for, gosh, um, I'd say nine years, he was shocked by the reports from the therapists and doctors. It's like, there's no way you have PTSD. There's no way you have panic level anxiety. There's just no way. And they'd send the reports and they're off the charts and he was shocked. But Dr. Tilly, he taught me how the brain worked and how, you know, trauma, it's like, it causes like neuron pathways. And these neuron pathways are like the root of a tree. And they grow and they get stronger and stronger. So if I've had a traumatic life and, you know, I, I try not to talk about it and I just want to live a positive life, I don't align to that energy. Those neuron pathways, they're still there. So I have to shrink them and create a new pathway. And when all of these thoughts are coming through, you're thinking, well, gosh, um, what's just a normal thought, right? Well, it's only normal because that's how you were raised. It's not a normal thought. Your mind is creating what you've lived or recreating what you've lived. There is other stuff out there. So it was because of, because of him that I learned all of these things. And then I just started devouring books. You know, he would say, okay, let's read this book. You read this book. And we would read it and be able to discuss it. And then we would talk about, like, our hurts. Because it wasn't, I wasn't the only one that needed to work on myself too. You know, while he is far, far further on his, you know, spiritual journey and his his healing journey, he was able to kind of lead the trail, you know, blaze the trail for me, so I'd know exactly what to do, and then I can pay it forward with the children that I'm linked to, and I hope to spread the message so women know and God and men know, because I have God sense too, that um, you know, when when you have that rejection and abandonment, it really can manifest your, itself in different ways. And most of the time it's with relationships and you'll take a great loss or you'll be fighting and we all deserve peace, you know. God intends us to live in peace and to be able to do that, we we need to work on some of the past stuff that we've experienced. Well, and what th- one thing that I, re- that, thank you for sharing that because that is so true. And when you're, I guess now husband, when he, before you were married, when he said you have to go into therapy, that's something when, you know, when someone tells you you have to do something, I don't know about you, but I get kind of like, well, hey, I'm the adult here, leave me alone. But when they're coming out of love, and you realize that you have to do it for yourself. Not You're not doing it for them. You have to do it for you and really want to do it. And I, I see that you worked hard. You really worked hard at that and identifying what had happened. But recognizing that past hurt is part of you, but it doesn't define who you are, um, that's the important part is how can you move forward and learn you know, what, what hurts you in the past, what can which you can learn positive from that and move forward without it holding you back, but how can you help others along the way? And I think that's what your mission is now, is to help others who've been through this, because it is amazing when people start to talk, how many have been hurt in ways that you've been hurt. Um, But they're hiding behind that mask of we have to look perfect, we have to be perfect. We and uh, I saw this in a lot of you know a lot of my friends that 
we no we never wanted someone to feel like we had a crack. You know, we put up that persona of perfection, and I'm not sure why we all do that, but we do. We want people to think the best of us, and we think that by looking nice, dressing nice, working hard, being the perfect mom, being the perfect partner, um, that that that's going to be success. And it's not, you know. We all have to. We all have those imperfections, which makes us kind and loving. And if we realize that perfect isn't going to happen until the other side, you know. But we can work on being the best we can be. And sometimes the best we can be comes from being at a terrible place. And you know, growing stronger is from our experiences. Growing stronger is living through something. You know, your mom leaving you alone or abandoning you or, or not treating you poorly. And it's, it's taking that spot and saying, so now what can I do with it? So Christina, what are you doing with what you grew up with? That past is past. What are you doing now to make the present and the future a better place for yourself and for others? I'm, I'm actually paying it forward. And with every cup of homemade orange juice that I make these kids, you know, that come in and, and I'm actually listening to them without guilt and shame. You know, teenagers, for them to open up to you, it's, it's unheard of. They don't even talk to their parents. But all of these teenagers, they come and they, they, they tell me everything and they're looking for guidance. They, they want to feel loved and accepted. So I'm, I'm being a safe place, just as you said, that um, being on the phone with you and and whoever else is listening, it is a safe place. So I am a safe place. I'm Mama Stina to, to so many, and um, I'm always listening, you know, without guilt, without shame. Everybody makes a decision because of a past hurt or because this is what they were thinking. You know, or, um, you know like, like a teenage girl, if she's being promiscuous, well, why is she being promiscuous? Well, she's not getting all the love that she's yearning for and needs at home. And so that lust factor starts playing in. And, you know, when, you know, a gentleman's hand glides across your skin, because I've been there, it, it releases endorphins and releases, you know, the love hormone. Um, and then you're thinking just for those few moments, oh, I'm, I'm loved. I'm accepted. I was chosen. He wants me. He only wants me. You know, and then it, it pans out, however it pans out, and you're, you're left feeling shocked and filled with regret or what have you if, if they don't choose to partner up with you for an extended period of time. So being there for, for people and without guilt and shame is, is what I'm doing. You know, no judgment. We're living life together. You know, it's, we're here for our soul's evolution, and there's different lessons everywhere. But your lessons not, might not be the same as my lessons, but there's no guilt and shame, right? I mean, we're learning. This is what we're called to do. That's why we're not on the other side. Right. And, and we're, not, we're not meant to be here alone. And, and we have experiences in our lives that ha- you know, happen to us, happen for us, so that we can be there for somebody else. And I, I am... I'm grateful that you're speaking up because especially right now when we're socially 
isolated basically we're in our homes and we're looking for friendship we're looking for companionship we're looking for love and many times we can't be doing that in person um, so we're going to transition a little bit because that takes me right into you know online relationships and online friendships and I've got Dr. Tim McGinnis Tim is the founder of SCARS which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams I work with Tim at a nonprofit down here in Miami but it's international in scope and Dr. Tim, are you there? I am here. Tim, so listening to Christina's story and and you know what she's gone through, um, how how do you see that manifesting itself in the work that we're doing on a daily basis? Well, the the core part of Christina, your story is the trauma that you experienced, and without you know really commenting on that too much because that's not my role um, you know I certainly understand the trauma that parents can inflict I had a very difficult father uh, that did that to me alienated all of my brothers and sisters and yet in the end I was probably the one who understood him best and forgave him in the process um, we deal with literally millions of traumatized victims who have been in relationships that blew up and turned out to be fabricated false and imaginary fantasies in effect because they were perpetrated by a an online cyber criminal they were they were a scam they were a fraud and some of these relationships goes on for months uh, just spoke with a woman today uh, who'd been in one for three years and had sent uh, well over a million dollars to this group of cyber criminals she thought it was one person but it was a team so the net result is that this is very traumatic and one of the things that I heard in your story was ironically something that I literally published on yesterday uh, from a research study that was done back in the 80s by a a psychologist at Harvard University about trauma compulsions and one of the things that trauma sufferers experience is a broad range of repetitive behaviors sort of reliving the traumas that they've experienced um, and and I don't mean to make light of that but um, understanding trauma helps us communicate with victims about why they're experiencing what they do we are not psychologists we're not psychiatrists we are a, a registered crime victims assistance organization that provides supportive care and when we encounter someone who is traumatized one of the very first things that we do is to recommend counseling or appropriate certified trauma counselors or trauma therapists um, unfortunately far too many psychologists and psychiatrists don't specialize in trauma and as a result are not as fluent in its manifestations behaviors etc so it's always important to get someone who fully understands trauma because as you said trauma builds pathways in the brain and you can mitigate those through 
therapeutic behaviors as well as supportive behaviors. Um, telling your story, ironically, is one of the ways in which you can mitigate the impacts of that um, through a process of desensitization, etc. But this is as non-trivial as it gets, and trauma affects all of us. Uh, yesterday, for example, one half of the country went through a profoundly traumatic experience. The other half expressed themselves because of their past traumas. So pretty much our entire country was expressing aspects of trauma all at once in one day. Um, the net result of all of this is this is one of the things that is most challenging in our world, and I'm glad that you're able to help adolescents. Um, you know, perhaps there's a way to collaborate because one of the things that we find is that ad adolescents and young adults are the fastest growing demographic uh, for victimization as a result of online crimes. Not only the, the obvious um, pedophilia, human trafficking, but also financial fraud because they don't have a clue. And the net result is they do have access to financial resources, whether they're on their own or on their, of their parents. Um, and they can be traumatized in so many different ways. And this community of cyber criminals, it sounds laughable on the surface until you realize it's the third largest economy in the world. It's larger than the gross domestic product of Germany. There are hundreds of thousands of professional manipulators online who do their job extraordinarily well. And they're not stupid, and they can take advantage of virtually anyone can be scammed. So this is what we do, and we do encounter this. And unfortunately, you know, one of the things that trauma victims, and, and I use the term victim in a in sort of an analytical way, not as a judgmental way, um, is most people who experience trauma that come to us because of a, of a financial fraud that occurred online or was enabled online will never recover because of various flavors of denial, various flavors of anger, using anger as a substitute for the hormonal comforts that they felt in the past. Only a small percentage of the realists, just like with alcoholics and drug users, have enough self-awareness and understanding of their state to realize that something is not right and that they need help, and we can provide that to them. Fortunately, that's about a third. But the other two-thirds, they're going to continue to live essentially broken lives where the trauma continues to be an element in their futures. Hopefully, many of them will find therapy and, and counseling in their future, but many will not. Um, sometimes it sounds like this was the case with you, sometimes they have to be backed into a corner and a mirror put up in front of them to show them exactly how bad it is. 
we all unfortunately have to deal with that at moments because our our emotions are clouded are clouding our perceptions and sometimes that's one of the very hardest things is to see reality we focus on that a great deal just as um, addictive and and uh, substance abuse support groups do as well in being able to see what's in front of you with as clear an eye as you possibly can very hard thing to do because our brain clouds and changes our perception of everything that we see and feel and understand about the world at large relationships attitudes of others etc and unfortunately there's enough people out there that uh, are suffering in their anger or their denial and one of the things that we've experienced and and there is literature to this is trauma seeks trauma um, and it is again going back to the compulsions of trauma the recidivism of trauma seeking out to relive the trauma of the past trauma seeks trauma so if you are substantially I don't mean you personally but I mean if a person is substantially afflicted by trauma then they will tend to seek other traumatized people who share similar views because they can reinforce in their denial or in their anger and rage uh, others can take on the persona of being saviors that they're the only ones who can save the world and everybody who disagrees with them in any way shape or form is the enemy we experience a great deal of that I myself am not a psychologist I'm an anthropologist so I approach this from a larger um, sort of societal tribal perspective but it does help to to understand this and and we are unique in the United States in terms of we're the only nonprofit crime victims assistance organization that focuses on the 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 people that are cast aside by the online criminals um, and we do this worldwide about an audience of about 30 million romance scam victims alone worldwide um, our organization is called scars against scams.org is our, our principal website um, Debbie is one of our officers and a principal contributor uh, in terms of her time and, and her energies and helping victims um, and of course is herself someone who went through this process as traumatic as that was for her she is our our poster child of how to make it through the the recovery process um, not so much our recovery process because we met her when she was far down the pathway but you know as everyone can recover from trauma but you have to be able to see that it is there and you have to be able to find the right support whether that's a counselor whether that's a therapist um, have supported family members etc and it will change your life if you can do that 
And everybody suffers from some trauma, whatever it is, whether it's an automobile accident, whether it's watching the evening news, which is one of the most traumatic things in the world. And ironically, you know, what people don't understand is, is this thing called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and all of the related issues that go with it. But PTSD doesn't come from the initial experience. It comes from the way you handle trauma over time, your reaction, your amplifications, your denials, uh, etc. So it matters more how you deal with trauma over time than the individual trauma that you experienced in the beginning, because that's what truly does the deepest damage. It's what develops those pathways that you talked about. Um, it was great meeting you, and, and I'm sorry to have created this monologue, but um, very much would like to have further conversations at some point in the future. And if any of our listeners uh, would like to, SCARS is a nonprofit. We are dependent upon the donations of our, of our, uh, of our donors. Uh, you can go to againstscams.org to make a, a small donation. Everything is appreciated. We also have a company store where we have wonderful and amazing and creative uh, victim motivation and support products to help people get through their traumas. Not all of them are associated with online scams. In fact, very little of them. In fact, most of the things that we sell don't actually talk about it much so that anybody seeing a mug or a T-shirt wouldn't even know what it's about. But <laughs> thank you, Debbie. All right, Tim. Thanks very much for that. And uh, you basically gave the close to my show. But I want to go back and just say, Christina, thank you so much for being brave, for having the courage to stand up and speak up. It's, it's something that is empowering. The more you do it, the more you, you grow from the inside out is the way I put it. I'm really thankful for your husband who you know, put up that mirror in front of you and said, there are things that I see great potential in you, but until you see them, you're not going to get to where you need to be. And that happens to all of us. We need a brave and strong person, friend, family member that will stand up and say, hey, guys, you know, call us on it some, in a nice, loving way. And then it's up to us to choose to do it or not. And I, I honor you for choosing to do the hard work to get through so much that you went through. You know, it, it, I'm grateful it's not defining who you are, that past but it's given you a purpose because there are a lot of young women out there that need to hear what you went through and realize that you don't have to take abuse because That's you right. are divine. You are a child of God who deserves to be loved, who deserves to be respected. And you've got a lot to share, my friend. And I hope that from coming out you know, in this way that people can see that well-respected business people are hiding behind the masks of things that have happened to them. And we don't have to do that anymore. That we're there as an example to others. Last word, Christina, what do you want people to, to, to hear from you and how can they get a hold of you going forward? If they have a story or if they've been through this and want someone to hold a hand with, how can they get a hold of you? They can um, reach me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Christina Blazes. And um, also, they can email me, devoutinc, D-E-V-O-U-T-I-N-C, um, at gmail.com. 
I'm here, I'm listening, and without judgment. And I really, really appreciate you, uh, Dr. Tim and Miss Debbie. I thank you so much for all that you do for everyone and for shining that light and leading the way. And Miss Debbie, thank you for encouraging me to write the book. I'm a third way through. So you really are an inspiration and a great leader. Well, you're sweet. And I'm looking forward to that book. I, uh, I was interviewed by a gal in Australia the other day who is from uh, Bosnia, uh, Serbia, Bosnia, and she wrote a book called You're Not Alone. And talk about brave, girls. You know, if you've got a story to write it, it, the first step is to get it out so that you can separate yourself from the emotions of it and then use your story for good. And my book just came out on Audible last week. I want to thank Peggy Lee Hansen. Peggy's on the, sh on the call today for helping me with the Audible because I, it's been a few years since I wrote the book. And to listen to it, I was driving in the car the other day, listening to the story going, wow, that, that was really an interesting, an interesting um, look at my life and to see what got me through my husband dying or through miscarriages or, or you know, the scam. What is it in our lives that happened to us when we were young like in Christina's story, what happened to us when we were younger and how did it affect us as we were older? And I'm really grateful for the Stand Up and Speak Up series because we've got some incredible guests that have helped me recognize things in my life that might be affecting the way I do things financially, the way I do things home-wise, you know, the way I am as a person. And Christina, your story has brought up to light a few things in my life too as far as you know why am I doing things the way I'm why did I take things the way I did um, in a good way now we are standing up and speaking up because we're encouraging everyone to remove the mask of embarrassment because it's embarrassment in our own eyes other people right. are not seeing that embarrassment and so I want I'm so proud of you for coming out and I want you to be a beacon of light in your area because you have a story that many people have never heard you tell before. It will shine on you and shine around you in a, in a way that you're going to touch people in such a personal way now. And they'll be grateful for it, and just as I am for you speaking up today. So thank you for being our guest today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And everybody... Please go to thewomanbehindthesmile.com. There are replays of the show. We've had some extraordinary guests uh, recently. Thank you, Dr. Tim, for your insight and for the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. Go to our againstscams.org site for assistance if you, or if you have been a victim yourself or if you know anybody because there's incredible information. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports healthy and happy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfo teaming products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks everybody. This show will be on YouTube. Please share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. It's an important thing for all of us to stand up and speak up. It is enlightening, encouraging, and we thank you for being here with us today. So thanks all. Have a great day, and we will be with you next week.